I've never even heard of an industry that moves as quickly as SEO. Every time I look, I feel like there's an entirely new concept that you've got to realign with the rest of your strategy. The, the system behind everything that you're actually involved with is always getting better and it's always in benefit of users. That's fantastic. Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. In this episode, we're turning the spotlight on the new wave of SEO leaders and their approach to long form content. At only 26 years old, Josh Pearson is the owner of Pico Marketing and the SEO leader at Rock R Tech, a UK-based company. Josh shares his strategy for navigating saturated markets and staying ahead in the ever-evolving SEO landscape by emphasizing the importance of a visionary mindset and abandoning outdated tactics. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks for free at demandjump.com today. And now here are your co-hosts, Drew Detzler and Ryan Brock. Welcome back to Page One or Bust. This is uh, your host, Drew Detzler. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Ryan Brock. Ryan, how are we doing? Hello. I am having a very wonderful, splendid day, Drew. Thank you. Fantastic. We both are because we are joined by the owner of Pico Marketing, Josh Pearson. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Owner of Pico Marketing, you also uh, an SEO leader in general. You work for different companies out there, Rock Art Tech being one of them. So, Josh, why don't we just ju- go ahead and jump in and tell us a little bit about Pico Marketing as well as Rock Art Tech. And please begin this with a description of what Pico, where that name comes yeah. from, because I, I used to own an agency and my name was really bad and I like yours. It flows off the tongue. So I want to know where it came from. Okay, sure thing. So Pico Marketing is named after my surname plus company, really. I wish it was more interesting and I had some cool anecdote, but it's literally just my last name is Pearson and it's a company. So it was just the Pearson company or Pico. Yeah, that's all there is to it. For our listeners, I mean, he's his name is literally written on my screen right now. Like it's like I know you're listening and you might not remember remember Pearson right off the bat, but I can see Pearson and I still couldn't figure that yeah, out. Me. <laughs> I don't I don't know what that says about me as a person, but thank you for that very kind explanation, Josh. No problem at all. Honestly, I get that all the time, but also a lot of good feedback. So mixed messages, but I'm glad everybody likes it. But yeah, so Pico Marketing as a whole is an agency predominantly for SMEs and for white label services to other agencies. And we work with clients, you know, all shapes, all sizes all over the world. I've been doing that for like, this is my fifth year, I think. And yeah, we get really good results, really good feedback. And it's kind of like a little passion project, I guess. It's where I go to to work with stakeholders directly and actually feel like I make a really big difference rather than just these gigantic brands where sometimes it can feel a little bit like increasing more numbers, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. So talk to me specifically about Rock Art Tech. What, what, what do you do there and what what is the product or service that the company provides? Yeah, so Rock Art Tech is really, really interesting. It's one of the coolest jobs I've ever had, I think, to be honest. Rock Art Tech is a SaaS company that essentially sells e-commerce solutions to automotive manufacturers all over the world. So they work with the right. likes of... You know, Jaguar Land Rover, BMW, Toyota, all kinds of people bringing essentially uh, the business model to go direct to consumers for them to use on their websites, however they want to sell and on whatever scale they like. That could be everything from, you know, like SEO and PPC. It could be lead nurturing and lead management in general or CRM. It could be the ability to actually, you know, add to basket, check out, get a part exchange valuation for your existing vehicle online, delivering the car straight to your front door and anything in between for anybody, anywhere. It's really, really cool. That's awesome. It's so cool to hear about like 
technology companies that identify like an industry and say, we're going to make all of this better. We're just going to make it all more efficient and we're going to make it a better experience for everybody on every side. Sounds like a great company. Yeah, it was really cool. They're actually the first company to ever do it end to end in the entire world. So it was really, really interesting to be working on kind of pioneering the whole brand and making such a huge difference to these already gigantic brands. You know, like, again, I know I've just said all the all those big names, but when you look at the likes of like Jaguar Land Rover, for example, and you see their numbers just start to skyrocket as they improve their SEO and their overall e-commerce journeys. And it's just, it's such a rewarding job, like instant gratification. That's awesome. Yeah, really. If, I, if I say Jaguar, like you did, is that like appropriation? <laughs> or should I just say Jaguar? Like I, I think would. you should do whatever feels best. Uh, ja- Jaguar it is. Yeah, I, I can't do it. Second I can't do it. <laughs> I love it. Well, so for, for those listening, Josh, you're one of our uh, younger guests, one of our younger SEO experts, which I'm excited to pick your brain about. You know, we, we've had a lot of guests on there, SEO experts that have are, are be- beaten and bruised by the the Panda releases and, and some of the early yeah. SEO gauntlets that they had to go through. Tell me a little bit about your SEO origin story and, and how you got here. Yeah, sure thing. So I guess it started out in business school. I left there in 2017, I think it was. I jumped straight into a job selling home gym equipment to people all over England and the rest of the United Kingdom as a very, very off the cuff kind of job. I didn't really expect to be going to that kind of a niche, but that's where I landed. That was where I got to work with my first manager who was really, really on it when it came to everything digital marketing he was fantastic and he basically realized that for this to really work we had to get seo at the forefront of it and i was essentially moved from this kind of generalized marketing position into just an hardcore through and through seo position we got everything from like a really cool domain name to get the ball rolling i did a lot of qualifications to make myself like an authority in the health industry and then from there it was just producing all kinds of content marketing i think i must have written about 400 blogs in a year all for different niches and wow. it was just yeah it was basically just do everything anyone's ever heard of and see what sticks and then become a master of it, I guess. I love it. We hear so much of that, of someone who's not SEO focused, but gets tasked with it and just goes headfirst into it and figure it So many SEOs are that way. Let me ask you a question. Was there any SEO courses or topics taught in school, in marketing, in, in university? Not necessarily SEO related. There was one about digital marketing and social media as a, as a generalization, but SEO has always been too specific, I think, for anything like that. Over here, we've got what they call the Chartered Institute of Marketing, which is like anything chartered is where you're endorsed by the queen or the king now, I guess. Okay. Um, and once you're yeah. in that industry and they're endorsed. That's got to be tough. It's really, honestly, I don't think I'll ever get used to it. Yeah, yeah they do yeah. all kinds of cool courses. Yeah, that's, yeah I've, I've talked to a few professors about this same problem, and it just seems like a really, really difficult note to crack because by the time you get curriculum down and you teach somebody something and then they graduate, like it's just a different world and it's always going to be. Absolutely. I've never even heard of an industry that moves as quickly as SEO either. Every time I look, I feel like there's an entirely new concept or a new priority that you've got to realign with the rest of your strategy. But at the same time, I find it absolutely fascinating and it's also good to know that the work that you're doing is always improving as well. The, the system behind everything that you're actually involved with is always getting better and it's always in benefit of users. That's fantastic. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Well put, yeah. Does, it's kind of like working in an industry that moves so fast like SEO. It helps you not latch on to 
<laughs> too many practices. It helps you only latch on to some of those best practices and understand that whatever you're doing today is going to change tomorrow. Uh, what are some of those best practices over the years that you've found that, that work best that you think will continue? I mean, for me personally, content marketing is always going to have my heart. I think it was kind of how I came into it. And I imagine it's how I got over it. I love writing. I love researching. And I love the fact that that entire job is based around meeting a direct user requirement and helping somebody figure something out or to find something or to understand something in a new light. And at the same time, giving your own kind of creative input as to how that should look and meeting their search intent. That's where I find most fascinating, I believe. I love that. You and Ryan, kindred spirits with uh, your passion for writing. Not so much myself. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so rare. Like content marketing is just, it is how you are a writer that makes a living in 2023, 2024. I don't even know when this episode's coming out. The point is, yeah, I mean, it's just like so hard to do anything else. Like the, the options are so limited. There's, there's robots closing in on our territory left and right. So the people who care and are passionate, like I, I don't, I personally don't think that there anybody who is passionate about writing and passionate to the level where like you can't help but do a great job. Like you have to be good. You have to give your reader a good experience. There's a lot. I know a lot of people like that. And I, I don't think they got anything to worry about in the coming years because that's going to be a need forever. I believe storytelling is just so important. And yeah, I love the way you put it, Josh. It's like if, if you're if you're doing this right. This being SEO and content marketing, you're helping people. You're helping people and you're making information easier to find. And that's a noble thing, I think. Yeah, definitely so. I totally agree. All right. I'm going to throw out just a, a random question here for you, Josh. When it comes to SEO and helping clients, what keeps you up at night? I guess the thing that really keeps me up is how to build authority in an industry that's already very heavily saturated or whether already these giant brands that have been doing SEO for the last 20 something years, sometimes longer than I've even been born. And it's like, how on earth are you supposed to put somebody in front of all those people that have got this gigantic leap ahead of you already? And then all the algorithmic changes that come into play with that, making that different every time you face the challenge as well. Like it always used to be kind of link building was what used to keep me up for a long time and how important that was in the industry. And now it's just, I don't even know if link building has a place anymore. And that is one of the most controversial things to say. I'm very wow. aware. Have you followed this podcast even a little bit? It's okay. You don't have to lie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is the place to say that opinion without it being controversial. That is uh, Ryan's stance. Yeah. That's our, that is our stance, both of us, but specifically especially Ryan. Well, you know, I, I have, I have like a, like an, I don't know, an inferiority complex or something. And so what I love most about SEO and about now, you know, writing a book that is changing the way people think about SEO and all this stuff is just that like, if I decide I don't want to do something anymore, that's a brave thing. I'm brave for that. And just like Josh was brave for saying what he just did on this show right now. But yeah, I mean, that's all it's, it's truly like, even if you set aside the ego thing of like, Hey, I'm a cool guy because I don't like backlinks anymore, which is worthwhile. Let me tell you, I believe it is like if, if something stops working, you just don't do it. You like, you just don't do it. And I think like, that's all it takes is that curiosity to say, this is a waste of time. Let's, let's do something that's not. And I feel like if more people did that, we'd be finding even more ways to do this better. But instead there's so much talk around why we have to do things the way we've always done them and, and convincing people to not do that. And I mean, that's how I spend most of my days. So Josh, I see you and I respect you. Yeah. And I don't, don't want to harp on that too much, but Josh, tell me a little bit about why you've maybe have changed your opinion or, or focus 
on backlinks over the years? Mostly because everybody seems so dead set that you can just keep buying them and keep forging them. And this it's it's always that idea of it. It's just not genuine. At the very nature of it, it is ingenuine. The, the fact that you're able to make these factors of ranking a commodity, is it's just it defeats the entire object of SEO as a principle. And that can only become more recognized as time goes on. It's just not viable in the long term. Otherwise, what's the point of content or what's the point of anything if you can just pay to play an SEO? SEO feels like it's the one area you can't do that. And I think that's only going to get more intense as time goes on. Yeah, I tend to agree. We both tend to agree. I think backlinks were the best proxy that search engines had a while ago for determining who was the authority. They, they being search engines are obviously getting much more smart as the years go on and they don't need that proxy as much as, as they used to. So yeah, I tend to agree. That's all it is. I mean, customers are getting smarter too. Like, yes. like we all shop smarter and like once, once people get used to like being able to educate themselves at their own pace and their own way about anything, it's really hard to expect them to go away from that. And so I think like Google's just smart and, and they're keeping ahead of the trends that they see in their data, which is what we all need to be doing. Yeah, for sure. So Josh, talk to me a little bit more about becoming an authority in a saturated market. That's tough and it's scary. And a lot of people just avoid it rather than tackling it. So so what are some tactics that work for you and, and how do you get people to focus on that? I often find that the best way to build authority these days is actually to really focus, and this sounds so like fundamentally obvious, but genuinely to really focus on a product and the benefits that it has to offer and how much better it is coming from one particular organization or even a service could be said in the same way. As long as the content and the service itself are of a high quality and you've got kind of the social proof to back that up and you're able to promote that in a natural, organic way, I think the authority comes just without even trying, really. As long as you're doing the right things and making sure that you're putting that in front of whoever it needs to be in front of, I feel the rest of it is kind of a byproduct. Yeah, it, it, something that I ask sometimes for for SEOs to think about is like, what would you do if you were handed a microphone in a room surrounded by the people that you most want to talk to from a business standpoint, obviously? And like your ability to command that room is no different from your ability to command the unseen people on the internet who are looking for solutions every day. Now, none of it works if you don't have a battery in your mic. And I think the same is true for SEO. Like if you don't have certain structures, if you don't understand what you're doing, you're never even going to get a chance to be heard. Like your voice isn't even going to be picked up on. But if it is, that's just the first battle. Like like so many people are just hell bent on, we'll buy these links and get my content to page one. And then what? Right. Like, and then what? And I think that's something that, that interests me and keeps me up at night is like, it's real easy to just win in the short term. But like, how do you keep people engaged? How do you tell a story that's worth hearing? I think the industry needs to be spending more time on that, that part of the yeah. equation. Yeah, definitely. So I also find it more interesting that social media is beginning to play such a large part in organic experiences as well, especially the likes of TikTok. People, people are always telling me that TikTok's going to kill SEO and Google's, you know, running scared and stuff. And it's obviously just not true at all. But it's still interesting that so many people are starting to use search engines and social media in similar scenarios. I wonder how the likes of TikTok in particular are going to impact the likes of social media queries that have to follow suit and then that knock-on effect to SEO. Well, yeah, I mean, it, like, I think what you're talking about underscores something that is a potential new challenge out there, which is just the increasing complexity of what it takes to do this right. Because like, you know, SEO in and of itself is like just figuring out what is the equivalent of having a battery in your mic? Like, what is the thing that you're doing to make sure technically it works? 
that's pretty complicated. But like, I would imagine as somebody who is 35 years old and has never downloaded TikTok, that like, in order to become a TikTok influencer, you got to jump through a lot of hoops. Like, that is not something that anybody can just do overnight. And so, like the the like the bar barrier to entry to be an authority on anything that is actually seen and heard, it's a lot a lot higher now than it used to be, or lower now. I don't know the right way to say that, but like it's you know it's not as easy as flipping on the mic and talking. Like everybody's doing it. So like figuring out how to work those algorithms, like that's a full time job in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely agreed. So, are there any specific types of content that you found to be more effective and you're using more? Yeah, for me, it's always going to be long form content. And I guess largely that's how I learned content marketing in the first place, as it always used to be, or I always used to feel like at least an easier way to to get a more optimized on-page content structure and to help people find what you're looking for. But these days, I really find that long form is really the best way to to not only convey the most information possible to the people that are most interested in reading it and for those people that are already the most engaged wherever they are in their purchasing funnel. Also, I feel like long form content also really gives you the chance to be able to express yourself and your brand to the users. And it kind of sets you apart from the rest of the absolute drivel that might be out there online, especially with the rise in AI and things like that. There's just so much content. Long form is what really lets you separate yourself from other people. I would be interested to know someone in your position your your place in your career what do you think your job is going to look like 10 years from now i want to go farther than just like the next couple of years because there's a lot of change we know is going to happen but like where is this all going do you think that is a very very tough question and in my honest answer i would have to say i think that ai is going to be doing a vast amount of the prep work that goes behind seo and human input is going to largely revolve around the actual strategizing of things and the humanizing of things, but not in the actual prep research or even maybe the curation. I think the humans are always going to have the first and the last input and it's SEOs like us that are really going to be responsible for making sure that this absolute sea of garbage doesn't become a tidal wave and sweep over everything else. I kind of feel like we've got to be the gatekeepers of the internet in some sense. And that is the cheesiest thing I think I've ever said, but bear with me. I think a lot of our job is going to be keeping back the absolute trash that is coming from the likes of TikTok, the likes of AI, um, And people that just think that there is such a shortcut and more hacks now than ever before to get things onto Google and ranking quickly. As you said, it can be so easy to get people where they need to be from a search engine perspective, but it might not be so easy to actually get them to convert or to engage in the way that they're intended to do so. We really need to be responsible for that. You see, Drew, this is why I asked the question, because now we have like this perfect clip for the socials because that was so well put. I, I don't even want to add anything to it. Yeah, it was beautiful. Not cheesy. That was, uh, that was a no, fantastic answer. <laughs> uh, largely because we agree with you, but, uh, you know, complete agreement. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, but like if you don't agree with that, then you're not paying attention yeah. uh, or, or you're willfully just like in self-denial. I, I don't know. I just can't see anyone disagreeing with that who actually is doing good work in this industry. So if that's you, come at me, bro. I don't care. <laughs> nice. See, fake bravery to inflate my ego. I'm not risking anything, but I feel brave right now. It's great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the self-awareness I'm looking for out of a co-host. All right. Fantastic interview, Josh. I'm really glad to have you. Before we let you call it a day, we are going to hit the lightning round where I ask you a couple quick questions and you rattle off answers. Sound good? Sure thing. Josh, what was the last thing you searched for? I think the last thing I searched for was the quickest way to get ice off of your car as 
over here in the UK, it was about minus three degrees Celsius this morning, which means that my car being a convertible was just a block of ice that I couldn't even get inside of. So I had to deal with that. I don't know what three degrees Celsius means and I refuse to learn, but I'm <laughs> glad that you got your car out. <laughs> what is that in Fahrenheit? I wonder. Oh, our producer says it's 37 Fahrenheit, which is disappointing because I literally just said I refuse to learn. <laughs> and Taylor, come on. You're an enabler. All right. Josh, are there any books or movies that have made you a better marketer? That's a tough question. I feel like I read just as much good as I do bad. So I'd say overall, if I was to aggregate, probably not. But a large part of that is because I try not, even if something is like proven with case studies to work, I try and not believe it until I've replicated it myself because A, something could have changed between now and then. And B, half the time, something that works for 50% of the people I work with will not work for the other 50%. So I'm very much trial and error until I see it myself and know how it can be applied to my particular use case. I don't always take everything on board, but I do read a lot. It's interesting. You know what? I love that answer. Yeah, you can't read a book and just go change the world. It's going to go haywire when, when you go out there. If you, if you go out and do exactly what the book says, it's going to go haywire and it's not going to work and you're going to have to figure out another way. So I love that answer. Unless it's my book. Unless it's my book. <laughs> That's very true. There's Which one book we'll, out there. There's one book out there where shit will not go haywire. It's an anomaly. We'll send you a copy, Josh. That sounds fantastic. Thank you. Of course. And last question, Josh. Are there any marketing or SEO content myths that you've busted over your career? Um, that is a tough one. I, I imagine the biggest myths I've busted, I guess, uh, is not just me by any means. It's the fact that just link building isn't everything anymore. It's just not. And uh, every time I mention it, it feels like the people on the other end of that question are diehard link builders or people that are on commission or something because they refuse to accept it. But I just don't feel like link building is the way forward anymore and hasn't been for some time. And I think that's going to be a hard truth to swallow, but it is there. You heard it from Josh, not from us. Boom. Link building is no longer priority one for SEO. Fantastic conversation, Josh. We really appreciate you joining and uh, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. I really appreciate it. Are you ready to dive even deeper into pillar-based marketing? Here's your chance. The brand new book, Pillar-Based Marketing, a data-driven methodology for SEO and content that actually works by co-hosts Ryan Brock and Christopher Day is now available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook editions. Find it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or look for the link in the show notes.